You are listening to the Catholic Exchange Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Catholic Exchange Podcast. In this season of Lent and the Year of Mercy, you've joined me, Michael Litchens, your now penitent editor and host. While I'm always excited to welcome guests, I'm especially excited to welcome back Don Eden, who should be familiar to many of you who listen to this podcast. Don has been here before, she's written several books, and now she has a new one, Remembering God's Mercy, Redeem the Past and Free Yourself from Painful Memories. And of all the authors, Don is probably the best to write about this, uh, really. I mean, your books have been fantastic. So, Don, welcome to the Catholic Exchange Podcast before I sing your praises any more than I already have. <laughs> Thank you so much, Michael. You've been a wonderful uh, support uh, throughout my uh, my becoming an author, and I'm very grateful. Oh, many of us can say the same about you, Dawn, so it's a pleasure to have you here. Thank you. And to begin with your book, uh, how would you describe this new one, and what inspired you to write it? Well, Remembering God's Mercy, Redeem the Past and Free Yourself from Painful Memories is based on Pope Francis's Jesuit spirituality for the healing of the uh, any kind of pain from the past. I'm not speaking so much of specific memories as uh, just the feeling that some people have. I, I know it's something that I've you know struggled with, where where you know you're trying to get close to God, and there's a kind of sadness, and you have the feeling that maybe this pain from the past is preventing me in my spiritual walk. Um, maybe there is some um, guilt even over something that I've uh, confessed. Uh, maybe uh, there's some unforgiveness. Maybe there are some questions as to, well, if God loves me, why did he permit this? And, you know, right. one can fill in the, the blank. You know, if God loves me, why did he permit me to marry someone who was abusive? If God loves me, why did he permit my child to leave the leave the church and 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 so on you know for me you know the questions were if god loves me why did he permit me to uh, to suffer abuse if god loves me why did he uh, permit me to have uh, the fallout from abuse like um a post traumatic stress like uh like depression anxiety so you know i've I've been there, and as a convert to Catholicism, I've found Ignatian spirituality very helpful. And with Pope Francis, what we see now is in the in the papacy, uh, a, a pope who is bringing the treasures of Ignatius Loyola and other great Jesuits like Saint Peter Faber mm -hmm. uh, to the uh, popular attention. I, in answer to your other question, Michael, about what particularly inspired me to write this? Well, with my previous book, my first book on healing, which was My Peace I Give You, Healing Sexual Wounds with the Help of the Saints, uh, that was a book that was targeted to people who, like myself, suffered sexual abuse in childhood. And the response to that, it was really wonderful. Praise God. I mean, that book has uh, already sold more than 10,000 copies and I've heard from many people of different walks of, of life, men and women, who say that it helped them heal. But, you know, they also said that they wished there were a book like My Peace I Give You that they could give to friends and family who hadn't suffered abuse but had other kinds mm -hmm. of abuse from the past. 
So that's really what inspired me to write Remembering God's Mercy. It's a response to that request from readers to write something that is readable for everybody. Yeah, and I definitely saw that you had some similar themes between that and my piece I give to you, which was also a great book. Uh, Thank you. And here that you talk about painful memories, I'd like to dive a little bit into that. I think most of us have an idea of what a painful memory is and the definition, but what role do they play in our spiritual lives? And what is the way that God heals us from painful memories? That's a great question, Michael. The, the thing is, even if we're not consciously remembering something that's painful, uh, if we're carrying past pain that's unresolved, that we haven't really brought to God, then that um, that memory shapes us in a certain way. It shapes our attitude toward God. Now, when I'll, I'll tell you, I'll tell you the solution to this that I put forward in remembering God's mercy, and I'll share it with you in contrast to an, a solution which was proposed to me by Catholics. You know, part of the motivation for remembering God's mercy was to try to put forth something based on my own experience of healing that would kind of fill a, a need. Currently, if you look for literature on healing of memories, everything, with the exception of Archbishop Sheen, who has mm -hmm. wonderful things to say in Peace of Soul and, uh, and Lift Up Your Heart, pretty much everything written in modern times about healing of memories is the fruit of this kind of inner healing uh, movement. Now, the first thing that one can say about this inner healing movement, particularly with regard to Catholics who, uh, who subscribe to it, is that it's promoted by sincerely good people who strive to be sure. faithful, who want to think with the church, and who have just the most wonderful hearts to help people. And uh, and so um, generally, you know, if someone comes to uh, a priest or a pastoral counselor and says, I have these wounds from the past, I've suffered abuse, if the priest or the pastoral counselor knows someone who does this inner healing prayer, they'll very often refer that sufferer to someone who does that because the inner healing people are the only people pretty much who are doing this kind of outreach. And so, you know, God bless them. Um, the problem that I had with it really came to the fore when I was seeing a, a psychologist who practices this. And when I told him about my abuse, he said, well, I can't help you unless you're willing to relive each painful memory with me and while reliving it invite Jesus into each memory. Now I just uh, resisted that. Um, yeah. That I did. It actually turned out that this psychologist uh, who claimed to be a doctor uh, in fact had a degree that was from a diploma mill. <laughs> so I'm very glad that I resisted with him. Uh, but it, in any case, you know, inwardly I resisted this and I didn't know why at the time. But what I came to see, especially as I got saw another doctor who diagnosed me with complex post-traumatic stress disorder, is that with complex PTSD, which comes from not just one trauma, 
uh, but you know many different uh, traumas. Um, if you dig up one memory, chances are it's entangled with another and another and another. And if you try to dig and delve, you know, it can feel like a bottomless pit. Um, moreover, uh, since I started writing about healing, I started to uh, to research PTSD. And I'm not a, psych a psychological professional by any means, but if you just read the popular literature on it, what you find is that one of the hallmarks of post-traumatic stress disorder is not being able to remember all the trauma because the brain tries to protect itself uh, by by you know consigning these traumas to areas where the memory can't reach. So I could really see someone like me going to someone for inner healing and maybe they heal one memory, but then others come up and it's like, mm -hmm. ah, gotta invite Jesus into that one. Oh no, not again, gotta go back, gotta invite Jesus into that one. And I've even heard people say that, you know, someone can get addicted to this inner healing, keeping looking for when's the end, when do I get all healed? So in writing Remembering God's Mercy, I thought, well, what do the great spiritual minds of the church say about healing of memory? Particularly, what does Ignatius of Loyola, founder of the Jesuits, author of the spiritual exercises say? And what I found was that for Ignatius Loyola, the key to healing is not to invite Jesus into the mysteries of your life. The key to healing for Ignatius Loyola is to invite yourself, place yourself into the mysteries of Jesus' life, to place your own passion within his passion. And when you do that, since Jesus now is glorified, and his wounds radiate grace. When you place yourself in his passion, or as the Anima Christi prayer puts it, when you hide within his wounds, mm -hmm. that contact with Jesus' passion puts you in contact with his resurrection. And Jesus can heal you like he healed the leper. Uh, this fascinates me because when I read in scripture about Jesus healing the leper, what I notice is, Jesus doesn't say, oh, wait, come back. I missed a wound. Wait, no, I have to touch every wound on your body. No, he just touches one wound. And that light from Jesus, that healing light of Christ, enters into every dark place in that leper's mm. body. And that's what Jesus wants to do with us right now. All we have to do is come to him and say, Lord, I am wounded. And this is what Pope Francis is discussing so much in his writings on mercy. You see this in his new Lenten message, to give one example. And so that's what I'm seeking to share in remembering God's mercy. Great. If I remember, uh, remind me if I'm wrong here, but you talked a little bit about the idea of sharing in Mary's grace of memory. Can you talk a little bit about that? Sure. Well, the expression grace of memory, I actually took from Pope Francis, who Ah. speaks about the grace of memory and you know for those of us who have painful memories you know the question can be well how can memory be a grace well the grace comes you know all grace reaches us through our lord jesus christ and so the grace of memory comes when we offer jesus our memory and again you know it doesn't have to be digging up every specific memory it can be as simple as just praying the St. Ignatius of Loyola's Sushi Pay Prayer, which begins, Take, Lord, my entire liberty, 
receive my memory, my intellect, and my whole will. And at the end of that prayer, we pray, grant me thy love and thy grace. With these I will be content and will ask for nothing more. So the grace that we receive when we offer God through Christ our memory is that God gives us his memory. And whereas my memory may end with me being stuck in some kind of anxiety or depression or pain, God's memory for me includes his promise, includes his love that's loved me at every moment of my life. So Mary had this grace of memory. We, we read in, in, in Luke uh, 2, uh, especially how Mary pondered these things that were told her about Jesus in her heart. She, um, she even pondered it in her, in her heart when it was pro- prophesied to her by Simeon that she would, um, that, that a sword would pierce her own heart as well as that of her son. So she knew that her son's mission would involve pain, but she also knew that he was the redeemer. So it's through that grace of memory, um, remembering not only the pain, but also the promise. Uh, through that grace, Mary was able to stand at the cross when, when almost all the disciples deserted uh, Jesus. And it's through that grace that she was able to, uh, to, uh, p- to pray uh, at Pentecost and be part of the descent of the Holy Spirit, uh, enlivening the church. Yes, absolutely. And it's, it is funny how much Pope Francis has talked about memory. Uh, in fact, you talked about it a little, can't remember quite where you talked about it, but you mentioned that Pope Francis says that our prayer needs to be permeated with memory, yes. which I found a very intriguing line. What was that about, if you could tell us? Well, that's in his interview with Father Anthony Spadaro, which was the first major interview of his pontificate. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, so he said that prayer for a Jesuit is always a prayer full of memory. And that uh, the for him, he, he thinks back to what God did for him at different points of his life. And he also uh, thinks of uh, a prayer from the spiritual exercises where you ask yourself, what have I done for Christ? What am I doing for Christ? What shall I do for Christ? Uh, So uh, uh, Francis also relates memory to the memory of Deuteronomy, which is where God keeps saying to the Israelites, remember you were slaves in Egypt. Remember, remember. God wants us to remember that he has delivered us and he will continue to deliver us. He will continue to be with us in our own Gethsemane and to guide us to, to beginning to live the graces of the resurrection in this life. Granted, there's a difference between what life will be like when we're glorified and what it's like now. But any kind of contact that we have with Jesus and his passion is necessarily contact with him also as he is now in his resurrection. And in Remembering God's Mercy, I talk about how Francis and Ignatius help us to find that connection. Very great. And well, we're at the halfway point, so we're going to take a quick break for now to listen to one of our sponsors. And we'll come right back with Don Eden. In God's Healing Mercy, Kathleen Beckman offers a healing guide and retreat to learn how to embrace divine mercy in this jubilee year. 
Using examples from scripture, the saints, and the lives of others, Kathleen offers the perfect companion for the year of mercy. Scott Hahn praises God's healing mercy as a must-read for anyone who wants to encounter the living, joyful, and healing face of the Father of Mercy. Kathleen Exchange listeners can get God's Healing Mercy, as well as hundreds of other great spiritual titles, from Sophia Institute Press at a 35% discount by visiting sophiainstitute.com today with the promotion code CE35. That's CE as in Catholic Exchange 35. This exclusive offer is extended to podcast listeners until February 25th. So take advantage of this today to get your invaluable guides to Lent and the Year of Mercy. And welcome back to the Catholic Exchange Podcast. This is Michael Litchens with you, your faithful editor and host. Uh, we've been talking about memory, and I am really enjoying this conversation, so I'm going to keep going with it for a little bit, Don. <laughs> I, one of your chapters, I really enjoyed, you incorporated Victor Frankl and, of course, St. Ignatius, who is throughout this book in a really wonderful way. And you did that, I believe you're talking about overcoming fear and also praying with courage. Yeah. What does praying with courage look like, I have to ask? Well, praying with courage, in, in that chapter, you know, that's where I talk about praying in ways that might cause us to have to act against our natural mm. sensibilities. And I talk about how uh, St. Ignatius Loyola calls this acting against, uh, in Latin, agere contra. Uh, it's a real, uh, it's one of the basic principles of uh, Ignatian uh, discernment. And what it means, what it means is that if we're trying to advance in the spiritual life and we come up against obstacles, uh, we're not going to go higher by trying to get around the obstacles. We need to face them by acting against the sort of inward um, resistance that we might feel. Now, of course, I'm speaking only of things that we've discerned will really help us in the spiritual life. Like one example that Ignatius uses is that if a retreatant praying the spiritual exercises has trouble praying for an hour, that retreatant should try to pray for an hour and 15 minutes. And in the reason why uh, you mentioned uh, Victor Frankl is because I talk about this in relation to what Victor Frankl, the psychologist who wrote uh, the wonderful book Man's Search for Meaning, calls paradoxical intention. Audrey Contra isn't exactly the same because paradoxical in- intention is a psychological principle, whereas Audrey Contra uh, is a spiritual principle, and moreover, it's a tool of spiritual warfare. But it is similar in that, uh, in that you know, normally, like if I were trying to pray for an hour and having trouble, I might think, well, I can't pray for an I should pray for an hour. I can't pray for an hour. So I'm just going to give up because like I'm not, nothing's fruitful here. What Ignatius is effectively suggesting is that you change your intention. So it's, I should pray for an hour. I'm not praying well. I feel like I can't pray for an hour. So, so if I'm so bad at praying, I might as well 
keep going longer, put all my effort into into this, because it's not going to make much difference whether I do it for an hour and an hour and 15 minutes. Therefore, why not put everything into it? Those aren't the exact words I use in my in my book. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm not quite as cynical as that. But but, you know, you sort of see the see the heart of it. You know, it's like what Chesterton uh, says about a, a, anything worth doing is worth doing badly. He got yes. criticized for that. But what he was really criticizing was the cult of professionalism. The idea mm-hmm. that uh, you can't write unless you're going to be the best writer. You can't act unless you're going to be the best actor. And I think that this infiltrates us in our praying where we think, unless I'm like St. Catherine of Siena and can have that little, you know, impregnable cloister in my soul, then it's just not worth sitting in front of the blessed sacrament. I keep getting distracted. I'm a failure. And and so, you know, in this case, it's like, okay, well, maybe I'm a failure. Why not be a failure who tried for an hour and a quarter instead of a failure who gave up after 55 minutes? <laughs> <laughs> I like that idea. It's sort of an idea of like, aim high and you'll still crash somewhere pretty high up there. Oh, yeah, yeah, exactly. And and, you know, honestly, I am a bit more optimistic than that in Mercy, <laughs> I promise you. And you know, Michael, because you read yes. the book. But I just think that there's something very heartening and comforting in the idea of Audrey Contra because it puts forth something that Pope Francis has said, which is that Christianity is not for quitters. No, and it's uh, very rarely, is something I've learned from reading some great spiritual works, especially they touch on the Desert Fathers, is... Prayer is rather something, it's not something anybody ever masters. It's not something we ever get perfect at. It's, you're kind of in it for the long haul to get good at it, and hopefully you'll get good enough by the time you die, but you're in it for the long haul. Well, that's, well, that's right, absolutely. And when we think about offering our memory to God, um, a, a woman who, trying relig- religious life, um, she was a beginner in religious life, she gave me some advice that's really helped me, and in many ways, although I'm living in the world, I'm, I'm still a you know, beginner in religious life as well. Sure. Because um, I was telling her that I was scared of contemplative prayer because I was scared of having distractions. Contemplative prayer meaning just praying in front of the Blessed Sacrament, trying to focus on God, seeing what comes up. Um, and so when I told my friend that I kept getting these distractions, she said, whatever you get, just throw it up at God. Just say, okay, take that too. <laughs> Take that too, and God, please take that too. That helps me so much. I try to put that kind of spirit into remembering God's mercy. As someone who has a really short attention span, which is why it's great I work on the internet, but yeah, I have a short attention span. That That's some really profound advice from someone like me, because I swear every time I'm in Mass or before the Blessed Sacrament, my brain will go from, okay, let's say in Our Father, let's think about past seasons of Battlestar Galactica. Hey, where did I put my car keys? Okay, back to the Blessed Sacrament. (laughs) (laughs) I know the feeling, Michael. (laughs) I think most people do. (laughs) That's brilliant, just to kind of center yourself and say, okay, well, if my brain's going there, let's bring this to God and all that. That's actually genius. She she said that she got it from the... um, from the Orthodox uh, spiritual writer uh, Anthony Bloom, who oh. wrote beautiful books on prayer. Oh, he, yes, he is. He's brilliant. But okay, that makes sense. Now I'm going to have to try to find that section. But <laughs> all right, and now for my penultimate question, I just want to ask you one more thing about your book that intrigued me. 
In your chapter about the Beatitudes, you talked about using the seven sorrows to pray for purity, which is a subject you've written on. I mean, that's probably your most famous subject. But the seven mm-hmm. sorrows particularly intrigued me. How do you use those to pray for purity? Well, you know, I'm a systematizer. I'm just finishing getting my doctorate in, in systematic theology. Good. And I love Aquinas and the scholastics. And they're always noticing, you know, ooh, seven this, seven that, you know, seven beatitudes. Well, you know, maybe eight, but we'll make them seven and seven petitions in the Our Father and that sort of thing. So I was thinking about the seven sorrows, which I I pray every day. And then I realized that there are also seven deadly sins. And now we wouldn't normally associate sins, you know, with with Mary, who was who, who, who was kept uh, immaculate uh, from from sin. But what I realized was that since we are supposed to take all of our problems to Mary, why not take to Mary my temptations to sin? And so I realized that in each of the seven sorrows, Mary displays a virtue that counters one of the seven deadly sins. So that's where uh, that meditation that I use in Remembering God's Mercy uh, comes up, comes from. Okay, wonderful. And now for our final question of the night, uh, where can folks learn more about your work and maybe purchase this one? And when does it come out? Oh, thank you. Well, actually, Remembering God's Mercy just came in stock this week. I know that um, that uh, presently, this may not be the case when the podcast runs, but presently Aquinas and more dot com. That's Aquinas, A-N-D-M-O-R-E dot com has it for 20% off. I always uh, urge people to buy Catholic when they can. It's great to buy mm-hmm. from small, you know, mom and pop booksellers. Uh, also, uh, it's certainly available from Amazon, Barnes and Noble. It's on Kindle and Nook. And you can read more uh, about it on my blog, The Dawn Patrol, which is at dawneden.blogspot.com. That's D-A-W-N-E-D-E-N dot blogspot dot com uh, or uh, through my Twitter which is at Dawn of Mercy Great, and we'll put all those links up on CatholicExchange.com in our show notes so you can find everything you want to know about Dawn or if you would also like to listen to our past episode with Dawn Eden it's well worth it, I assure you all it's well worth your time Dawn, this is awesome, I don't think I covered nearly as much as I would have liked to but I could have talked about this book for hours so thank you so much for coming on today Thank you so much, Michael. God bless you. God bless you. Thank you.